Welcome to Fourth Dimension Podcast with Amy Champ. Enjoy. God bless. Father, right now, we just welcome your glory this, uh, this evening to hover over us, your Shekinah glory. Just let your wings just uh, hover over us, um, your, your, just the cloud of your glory begin to settle on us and manifest on us tonight, Father. And we even welcome your joy tonight, Father. We just thank you for that joy unspeakable and full of glory tonight. Just begin to move. Yeah. Mm, just the breath of the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Jesus. We love your presence. Mm. Hallelujah. We just wait on you, Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Doesn't that feel good? Yes. Hallelujah. It's so important to wait on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm really excited to be with you all tonight. I haven't ministered here in quite a while. Um, my husband and I were here a couple weeks ago, and um, he brought a really powerful word. And, it was a very um, great night of ministry, and he's actually in Pennsylvania, so he couldn't be here this evening. He's ministering in Pennsylvania this weekend, um, but, you know, a few of you might not know um, about my husband and I, so I want to share a little bit with you guys. Is that okay? So you might have um, known a little bit about us previously. You might have read our book or you might have uh, seen our episode on the Sid Roth show where we share a lot of our testimony. But I'm going to share just a little bit with you so you get an idea of um, where we come from and how far the Lord has brought us. Amen. My husband um, battled drugs and alcohol most uh, of his younger years. He actually went, was hospitalized when he was 14 for alcohol poisoning. The doctor said he was uh, in half an hour away from death. And um, throughout that whole, um, just like his late teen years, he battled drugs, he battled alcohol, was in and out of jail. And he ended up in um, a faith-based um, rehab called Teen Challenge. And that's where the glory of the Lord really encountered him. And um, all of those things were broken off of his life, Amen. and he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and so he's never been the same <laughs> since. And so I was, um, you know, raised in a Christian home. I uh, was actually a, P a PK, a pastor's kid, <laughs> and um, but that but that doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to attack you. You know, sometimes I feel like when we're raised in a Christian home, there's more attack sometimes, and so I um, I battled heavily depression. I battled the spirit of suicide and um, about pretty much up until I was about 17 years old and I was lucky to have a, a mother that was praying for me and that would just constantly devote herself to prayer because it had gotten to the point where she was so afraid. I had so much hate in my heart that she was um, telling you know my dad, I don't think we're going to, she's going to be gone. And she thought she was going to find me dead somewhere and it was that bad and so um, she prayed for me. How many of us wouldn't be here if it weren't for a praying parent or a grandparent or a praying spouse? And so um, my mother prayed for me, and literally overnight, I was 17 years old, and my mother came in my room, and I couldn't open my mouth. I was, I was out until the late hours of the night. I snuck out. I came back home uh, because she'd been calling my phone, and I snuck out, and I came back home in the late, late, you know, early hours of the morning, and I couldn't open my mouth. 
I couldn't speak. The, the demonic um, bondage that I was under was so heavy that there, I would do things without even realizing that I'd done them. Mm. It was like I was um, out of, almost going out of my mind. It was that heavy. And so my mother began to pray over me in tongues, and she prayed over me all night. Mm. And I began to close my eyes, and when I closed my eyes, I couldn't open them again. But she kept praying, and she prayed for me all night. Mm. And she began to prophesy over me. Mm. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit fell on me. And when I woke mm. the next morning, everything I had battled for all those years had broken. Ooh, in hallelujah. One, in literally one night, overnight, every bit of it, completely gone. Praise Jesus. And I woke the next morning, and I felt as if I was in another world. I mean, it was like so, such a night and day difference wow. between who I was the, the day before and who I had woken up that morning. Praise Jesus. And I reached Woo. over and my Bible that I hadn't read in years was right beside my bed. Miraculously. And I picked it up and I began to read it as if I was starving. <laughs> and I felt as if my spirit was being filled. All that emptiness yeah. was being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I became so radical. Suddenly, I mean, I was a completely different person. All my friends were like, wow, Amy's saved, but she's, she's too saved. <laughs> because I was so radical. I would go out into the street. I was buying up Bibles. I was giving them to everybody. And, um, you know, but those who have been forgiven much love much. Amen. And so when you've been forgiven a lot of things, you become so hungry and radical for others to experience that same uh, freedom Amen. that you've been given. And so within six months of being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, I, um, I had a dream. And in that dream, I saw myself, and I was in another country, and I was in ministry, which at that time seemed like something so far away that was completely unattainable. And in my dream, I saw what my husband looked like. I mean, I saw every detail. It was a very vivid dream. And so I have this dream, and I wake up, and I'm like, wow, is this what God could possibly have for me? Hmm. And about six months later, as I'm holding this dream before myself, like, God, I know you can do this. Six months later, I get diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. Now, how many of you know that when you are called to do something, God calls you to a specific um, area or destiny. Hmm. The enemy will try to hit you hmm. in the very uh, area of your destiny. Hmm. The very thing God's called you to do, the enemy will try to hit you there. Wow. So if you're called to see people delivered off of drugs and alcohol, if you're called to see people um, broken, the spirit of suicide broken off of people, the enemy, when you're young, can try to come at you in that area. If you're called to see miracles, the enemy will try to kill you with a deadly disease. So that's how the enemy works. And um, the Lord had his hand on my life and he brought me through that season. And so a few years later, I meet my husband, who I've already had the dream about. So I like to say I married the man of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and so I marry uh, Jesse and we start our ministry. And within another six months, after we got married and started a ministry, my mother gets diagnosed with stage four cancer. And so I'm battling this, this um, 
mental warfare, this emotional warfare as we're beginning our ministry. And we're traveling and we're praying for people. And, pe and we're seeing people healed. We're seeing miracles. But yet I'm still battling this thing in, in my own family. And how many of us have been there? And we see other people that we minister to get the breakthrough and we're yeah. still standing. And you know what? That makes you stronger because you learn how to stand for yourself. And so as um, my mother actually passed away in that season, and it was the most vulnerable season of my life. And so through that, there's an opportunity when we go through those kinds of things. There's an opportunity to either become bitter at the Lord and say, why did I have to go through this? Why did you allow this? Or there's an opportunity to say, Lord, you're going to teach me something. You're going to uh, give me a breakthrough in this area where I can help others not have to go through this same thing. And so a righteous anger came upon me. You know, there's a holy anger. There is an anger called a righteous anger. And so I began to get angry at the enemy. Anytime I heard about cancer or any kind of terminal illness, I would get angry. And so I began to seek the Lord and say, God, what is the key to seeing these types of miracles? Because we were seeing amazing things. We were seeing incredible miracles, um, all kinds of different miracles. But I wanted to see the greater works. I wanted to see people on their deathbed literally come off their deathbed and be healed. And so I began to seek the Lord for the key to this revelation. And one night I had a dream. And in the dream, there was a person who had cancer. And I was standing in front of their house. And they were on uh, the brink of death. And I'm standing in front of their house. And suddenly I see this huge serpent coming out from beneath their home. And I'm watching this giant serpent sliding out from under their house. And as if it was nothing, I began to pick it up. And I picked it up by the tail and I began to carry it away from their home. But it was so heavy. And as I was carrying this heavy weight on my shoulders, I couldn't carry it anymore. And I dropped it. And suddenly I look down and I see a sword. And in the dream, I picked up the sword and I cut the serpent's head off. Wow. <laughs> and when I woke from this dream, the Lord immediately encountered me. Wow. And so I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord, what are you showing me through this? And the Holy Spirit fell on me so hard so heavily and I couldn't even stand and I fell down to my knees and I was shaking and I was weeping and Jesse came in he thought something was wrong but I immediately began to see a series of visions and I saw people being healed of cancer and of terminal illness I saw um, I, I had a vision of a book by a man named John G. Lake and the Lord spoke to me and I heard the, vo the voice of the Lord audibly and he said it's all in the DNA and so that encounter led me into a revelation that I want to try to impart to you tonight. Is that okay? Amen. Can I yes. teach a little bit tonight? 
Yes. I just want to kind of unlock some revelation in the Word of God tonight because revelation is what unlocks the power of God within you. When we receive revelation in the Word of God, revelation means an unveiling. It means that another part or uh, facet of the nature of God or of His plan has been revealed to us. Amen? Hallelujah. So I'm going to just share with you tonight um, a little bit about John Gillette. I'm going to share some of the miracles that we've seen. Is that okay? Yes. Just share some <laughs> testimonies. Um, I remember we were in um, Milwaukee. And I love this because we just saw this woman again just a couple months ago. And it's, it's just so amazing. There was a woman in Milwaukee and they brought, we were ministering, and they brought this woman to us. And she had been diagnosed with eight stage four aggressive brain tumors. <clears throat> and they had, <clears throat> the doctors had given her um, three weeks to live, three week, 10 days to three weeks to live. And they had told her, go home and get your affairs in order. There's nothing more we can do. And so the pastors brought this woman to us. And you know what? We didn't have, it wasn't a word of knowledge. It wasn't, you know, moving off of a gift. This is what I love about it. We didn't feel any goosebumps. We didn't feel anything when we prayed for her. But Jesse and I looked at each other and we said, we're going to command this thing to go. And so we cursed the tumors at the root. Just the way that Jesus, when he spoke to the fig tree, he cursed it at the root. And it wasn't immediate, but the next morning, the, the fig tree had withered up and died. And so we curse the tumors at the root. The woman goes a week later to her doctors and she gets a brain scan. Every tumor had completely dissolved. Woo! Wow. Isn't that powerful? Wow. A week later, every tumor was gone and it's been two years. Wow. And she's still 100% cancer free. Hallelujah. So don't believe what the doctors tell you. I mean, there, there's, there's being careful and there's using wisdom, but then there's also having faith. Mm -hmm. Having faith in what the Word of God tells you. And I want to pray for everyone tonight, and it's okay if you don't want to come up for prayer, but I really feel like there will be some healings tonight and some miracles, and um, I'll pray for you just standing right here and you can be healed. I remember one time I was in Virginia and I was ministering and I got, I felt something in, in my ribs and I got a word of knowledge and I said, there's someone who has three broken ribs on the right side. And a woman came up and she said, my husband has three broken ribs on his right side, but he's not here. And she was kind of, you know, discouraged because she wanted, you know, him to receive prayer. And I said, it's okay because there's no distance to the anointing. And so she stood in for him. And as I prayed for her, I just began to speak that he would be healed, and that his ribs would um, come together and, and um, be healed. And so he was in a, another church service on the other side of town. And at the very moment that, her, that um, his wife stood in for him, as he's sitting in the church service, his ribs crack, and everyone around him heard it. Wow. And he was totally healed. Every bit of pain was oh, gone. And he went home and his wife told him the very moment she stood in for him, he was 100% healed. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Amen. And what I love about that is that it wasn't my faith. 
It wasn't her husband's faith, but it was her faith. Because when the centurion soldier came to Jesus and he said, I want you to pray for my servant. And, he, and Jesus said, okay, let me come with you. And the servant said, no, it's okay. I know what you carry. And if you just speak that my servant will be healed, he will be healed. Amen. And Jesus was amazed. And he said, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Ooh. That you can stand in for your loved ones. You can stand in um, for a, a family member that's lost or that's um, even in the hospital. And they can be 100% healed. Right. Amen. Just by your believing. Just by your faith. Wow. Hallelujah. Yes. So I'm going to share a little bit tonight. Um, about this revelation that the Lord gave me because I believe that it's not just one person or a handful of people in this next season that are going to see these great miracles, see um, people come out of wheelchairs, um, see, I mean, we've seen body parts regrown, we have seen um, metal dissolving out of bodies, we've seen people receive um, dental miracles, I mean, we've seen crazy miracles, but it's not just going to be like a few people. Because this next season is going to require the entire body of Christ yes. to step up as an army. And the Lord's going to begin to equip each and every one of us with this anointing to see the greater works. Because the Lord has restored the apostolic ministry. He Amen. has restored yes. the prophetic ministry. Yes. But what he's bringing us Jesus into name. is that season of the greater works of raising yes. the dead. Did you know that um, the order in which Jesus shared, uh, you know, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, he actually said that casting out demons was more difficult than raising the dead. Did you know that? Yeah, I believe. Yeah. In the order of which he spoke that. <laughs> Cast out demons. Isn't that awesome? And you know, Jesus said that um, there were certain demons that you couldn't cast out but without prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. But he was actually looking to his disciples to cast the demon out. And when they said, why can't we cast this demon out? He said, well, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. And then it said Jesus immediately cast the demon out of the boy. And so what he was saying is, I don't have to go and pray and fast for two weeks and then come back and pray for him. I immediately cast the demon out of the boy. And if you guys had been in a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, you would have been able to do the same thing mm. that I just did. Isn't that powerful? Amen. Jesus was always looking to his disciples to do the things that they were looking to him to do. He was always equipping them. He was always pushing them for empowering them. He wanted to show them what they were capable of. Isn't that powerful? Amen. So I'm going to share a little bit with you about um, John G. Lake because he had a very powerful understanding of Christ within himself. He was an apostle, and he won countless souls in South Africa um, during the time of the bubonic plague. And he also saw, saw over 100,000 healings and miracles within a five-year span of time in his healing rooms in Spokane, Washington. The healing rooms that we know today is a um, sort of a branch off of that, but it, it's, it was very different during his time. And so he had an, an incredibly deep understanding 
of the power of God um, and, and Christ living within him. And he would wake up every morning and he would look in the mirror and he would say, you are the God kind of man. Amen. Because he believed that Christ lived within him and had transformed him. He didn't believe that he was a natural man anymore. He believed that he was a supernatural being and that he was transformed even down to his cellular makeup. That's good. Isn't that powerful? That's good. Amen. You know, the lie that the serpent told Adam and Eve in the garden was that they would be like God. He said, if you eat this fruit, then you'll be like God. Mm. But what they didn't realize is that they were already like God. Amen. God had already made them in his image. Yeah. Hmm. And so God uh, sent Jesus. He sent his only son to restore us to what we lost in the garden. To restore us back to that reality. You know, Christian means little Christ. You are more like Jesus than you think you are. Is this good? Amen. And so John G. Lake believed that when you're born again, you're transformed from natural to supernatural. And he believed that he was a carrier of the DNA of God. Amen. And he believed that it was transferable. He believed that he carried the life of God and that when he touched someone that was sick, that that life was transferred into the affected cells of the sick person. So he believed it was transferable. And so if you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to the book of John. We're going to get into the Word tonight. The book of John, chapter 3. And we're going to read in verse 3. It says, and Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. He said, uh, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised that by saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now that phrase born again in the Greek, if we translate that, it actually means born from above. And so Jesus was saying, you must be born from a new origin. You're not born of the, the flesh anymore. You're born of the spirit. And so he's saying spirit gives birth to spirit. So if you've been born of heaven, if you've been born from above, born from a different origin, then you're going to give birth to those spiritual things. You're not going to give birth to those carnal things, to those fleshly things. 
You're not going to be susceptible to the things of the flesh. You're not going to be susceptible to earthly sickness and disease. You're going to have a completely new life from now on. Amen? Amen. And so we know that Jesus was born a sinless man because Mary was overshadowed. He had no earthly father. And so when Jesus was born of a heavenly origin, not an earthly origin, now we know that he did not receive a sinful nature. Amen? And so when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born from above, he's in essence saying, you're not going to have an earthly father anymore. You're going to have a heavenly father. Come on, isn't that awesome? John chapter 1 verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now when we look at John chapter 9, his disciples bring a blind man to Jesus, and they want him to, to, to heal him, and, and they say to Jesus, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of the sins of his father or the sins of his mother? Now, in Jewish law, you could be punished. A man or woman could be punished, in essence, for the sins of their mother and father. Now, this wasn't just out of meanness. This was a, uh, you know, we know that everything in, in the Old Testament is types and shadows, right? And so, this was to illustrate that we are born and we can be punished from the sins of our mother and father by receiving that same sinful nature. And so when Jesus looks at the man, he says, neither but that the glory of God would be revealed. And what he does is he spits into the mud and he creates, uh, spits into the dirt and he creates a mud and he puts the mud on the eyes of the blind man. And what he's illustrating is that he's mixing his DNA with the dirt in the same way that God breathed his life into Adam, mm. who was formed from the dust, and gave him life. Amen. And so Jesus said, I have come to open the eyes of the blind and open the ears of the deaf. So he was illustrating that when I mix my life with man who's formed of the dust, I give them new life. Yeah. And we become new creations. And suddenly, our spiritual eyes are open. Amen. And then he tells the blind man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And this is illustrating our sins being washed clean. Isn't that good? Amen. We're, just say this with me. Say, I'm a new creation. I am a new creation. Say, I've received new life. I have received new life. Is this okay that we're yes. just in the Word of God tonight? That's so good. Because Jesus came to restore our sonship. He came to make us sons and daughters Amen. of God. Jesus was the firstborn, and he came to bring about a new race of sons and daughters who are empowered to do the works that Jesus did. You can see the same things that Jesus saw. You can see the same miracles. Jesus said, you'll do these things and even greater things than I've done. Come on, that is a sign of a spiritual father, by the way. 
Because they want to see you do greater things than they did. Isn't that good? Amen. Hallelujah. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So we know that Jesus is the word. Amen. He's the Logos. Um, we we kind of teach it wrong in our, uh, I've heard it taught um, that Rhema is the living word and Logos is the, the written word. But actually, Logos is Christ. Logos is the written word, but it's also Christ. And Rhema is actually an utterance. It's actually an uttered word. And so Jesus, we know, and the word are one and the same. They're synonymous. And so we have the Logos within us. We have that creative light within us. And so that's why it's so important, the things that we speak. Because the things that we speak repeatedly are the things that are going to manifest in our life. Because God, first and foremost, is the creator. And instead of um, forming things by his hands, he formed them by his words. And so when we're made in the image of God, we have that same ability to speak and, our, and we really shape our reality, we shape our world. And many times when Jesus healed the sick, he didn't lay hands on them, he spoke. And you and I have that same ability. So just say this with me, let's speak some things tonight. Say, I'm born of God. I am born of God. Say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. John chapter 1 verse 2 says, But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in his name, who owe their birth neither to blood nor to the will of the flesh, but to God. So we don't owe our birth to the, the flesh anymore. You don't owe, you know, when people say, I got it from my mama. You know what I'm saying? When people say, you know, well, I have that genetically, that, that's in my family line, that's in my bloodline. Did you know that that's broken? It's broken. Whatever those gen genetic um, predispositions, those um, sicknesses that are passed down from generation to generation, that's broken. The Spirit of God bro has broken that. You're not born of the flesh anymore. You're not tied to that to that carnal nature anymore. You've received something new. You've received a spiritual identity. You have received a spiritual DNA. And it's not just words. It's real. I'm not just telling you something that sounds really good. It's real. And Amen. the more that you grasp that re revelation, the more you're going to begin to move in that, um, in that spiritual identity. That is the most powerful revelation you can receive besides the blood of Jesus. Is that you have received a new nature, a new DNA, a new spiritual identity, and a new spiritual origin. You have to understand where you're born from. You're not just saved, you're reborn. And you're not just adopted. Yes, it is a spirit of adoption. But you're not just adopted. You have received the DNA of your father. Amen. We talk a lot about adoption, and it's the spirit with which God reached out to us. But you aren't adopted. You are more than that. You are grafted in. You have received that very 
nature. You have, the Bible says you have received the divine nature. We are partakers of it. Is this good? Amen. I'm really trying to get this into you because I want you to receive this in your spirit. Not just up here, but I want you to receive it in your spirit. Because when, you know, my husband and I really grasped this revelation, that's what took everything to the next level. It's good. Amen. And you know, some things are better caught than taught. You can't just understand things in your mind sometimes. Sometimes you catch a revelation before you work it all out in your, in your brain because you are not a brain. Because when you pass on to the next life, your brain goes in the ground, but your spirit is what ascends to heaven. Come on. That's good. And so we have to receive things spiritually mm -hmm. first. That's why the you know that's why um, the Bible says study to show yourself approved mm -hmm. because you might have that revelation but you have to understand also in your mind in order to impart that. First Peter chapter two, uh, one verse twenty three says you have been regenerated or born again not from a mortal origin but from one that is immortal by the word of God. Hallelujah. So God within us is not limited. Christ within us is not limited. The only limits that we have are the ones that we put on ourselves. And we see that Jesus was a prototype of the sons of God. And the Bible says we're partakers of the divine nature. So I love this. If Paul's DNA had been human, then the poisonous snake that bit him would have killed him. But instead, he shook it off into the fire, and it kept going. John G. Lake, many people know this story, but I'll share it again. Uh, John G. Lake was in South Africa, and he was, um, he and his team, a lot of people know this story, but they don't know the details of the story. John G. Lake and his team were helping to bury the dead bodies um, from those who had died of the bubonic plague. And um, when a plague like that is, is rampant, the people are dying at cra you know, in crazy numbers. And so they're having to dispose of the dead bodies. And so he and his team were helping. And actually, a group of men came to him, and even scientists came to him and said, why are you and your team not contracting this? Because it was extremely contagious. And everyone else that had been helping to bury the bodies was contracting the disease. But they were not. And I love that because it wasn't just John G. Lake, but it was his team. And one important thing about John G. Lake's ministry is that he believed in the power of prayer. And he spent hours and hours and hours every day in prayer. And he wouldn't let anyone on his team unless they were also living the same lifestyle of prayer that he lived. And so he looked at the, uh, the group of men that came to him. And he said this, I love this. He said, as long as the Holy Spirit is flowing into my soul and my body, no germ will attach itself to me, for the Spirit of God will kill it. Yes. This Amen. is the law of the Spirit of life. Yes. Wow. Yes. Now, if you'll notice something about what he said, he said, as long as the Holy Spirit as long as the Spirit of God is flowing into my soul and my body. He didn't say spirit, soul, and body. 
Because what we have to understand is that when you're born again, you are a triune being. You are a three-part being. You are a spirit, you are soul, and you are body. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. It's the fleshly part. And then there's your body, and then there's your spirit. And when you're born again, your spirit is perfected. But that's why the Bible says to renew your mind to the Word of God, because your spirit is perfected, but your mind needs to constantly be renewed to the Word of God. Your emotions have to come into subservience to that perfected spirit. The Holy Spirit is intertwined with your spirit. Did you know that? Amen. And so when the enemy looks at you, he doesn't see you. He's confused. He sees you, but then he sees Jesus. But then he sees Jesus, and then he sees you. Because your spirit and his spirit are one. The Bible says that you're bone of his bone and you're flesh of his flesh. Isn't that good? I love that. So you're a trying being. And so what John G. Lake was saying is as long as I am, my mind is renewed to the word of God. As long as I'm praying and, and um, soaking my, my entire being in the presence of God, in the anointing of God, as long as I'm spending time in the presence of God and that Holy Spirit is flowing into my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, then the Spirit of God will kill any germ, any disease. Amen. Isn't that good? Yes. He's actually giving us a rule book, a playbook. He's saying, listen, this is what I'm doing. Do it too. Mm-hmm. And I remember this story. He wanted to show um, his, his um, the people that were following his ministry at that time that it wasn't him. It was just the anointing, the life of God that he was carrying because People, uh, you know, the, the people in South Africa were beginning to look at him and think that there was something so amazing about him. And some people were even thinking, you know, is, is he like a god, you know, a god or something? Like they were looking at him because he had such an accurate um, healing anointing where it was like a crazy, like 85% everybody that he prayed for would be healed. And so there were people pressing in. And he was praying for them, and he had crowds and crowds of people, just, just like Jesus did during his ministry. And John G. Light became so tired of praying for people, and he wanted to show them, listen, this anybody can move in this. So there was a big rock that was um, outside when he was praying for people. And so he prayed over the rock, and he told all the people, go and touch the rock. And when people came, they were healed. So people began to come from hours and hours and hours away just to touch the rock and be healed. And he was trying to explain to them, it's the anointing. It's tangible. It's not some, you know, atmosphere. It's not some, you know, goosebumps kind of thing. He's saying, this is the anointing. If you pray, if you spend time in the Word, if you cultivate this, anointing. It's tangible. You can transfer it. Isn't that amazing? Amen. And he loved to prove with science the things that that were happening in the spirit realm. And I wish that we would begin to do this today. I remember there was a story about John G. Lake where there was a group of scientists that came to him and he wanted to demonstrate the power of prayer. 
to these scientists. So they strapped him up to a machine that measured cellular activity. And there was a needle that would, uh, and a piece of paper, and the needle would go like this. And so he began to, as he's hooked up to this machine, he began to recite, you know, just some regular, like, poetry or something like that. And the needle of the machine's going like this. And then he's, and then all of a sudden he began to pray. And he began to um, recite verses out of the Bible. And he said when he would begin to feel the Holy Spirit moving in his body, suddenly the needle on the machine began to go like this. Then he said he began to pray in tongues. And as he began to pray in tongues, he would talk about the lightnings of God coursing through his body. And suddenly the needle on the machine went off the charts. Mm. Isn't that powerful? Amen. Prayer is powerful. It transforms us. It shapes us. It turns us more into that image that God has of us. And what I love about the Lord is that he doesn't see us for where we are right now. He sees us as he created us to be. And he's waiting for us to catch up to that knowledge. And did you know something? You're already that person that you see yourself as. Everybody has an ideal self, what they want to be, what they would love to, uh, maybe that person that has it all together or is free from this bondage or that bondage. Everybody has their ideal self in their mind that they're all trying to catch up to. But did you know that you're already that person? Amen. In the spirit realm, you're already that person. And all it takes is faith to step into that. Amen. Amen. It's so powerful. And God already sees you as that person, and he's already paid for you to be that person. And all it takes is our uh, partnership with the Holy Spirit, partnering with Holy Spirit in our faith to step right into that. Isn't this good? Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So you've already been um, seated in heavenly realms. I love that because, you know, we see uh, in the Bible, Paul talks about dying daily. But what's so great about that is although we died with Christ, we were also resurrected with Christ. And so every day we die with Christ and we're resurrected with him. Isn't that Amen. Great? Yes. So every morning, don't look at it as you're in this, like, you know, trial by error journey. You, every day, you die with him, you're resurrected with him. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. That's why John G. Lake would wake up every morning, look in the mirror, and say, you are the God kind of man. It doesn't matter what your failure was today. Amen. It doesn't matter what your failure is tonight. When you wake up in the morning... You are the God kind of man. Amen. Come on. You are the God kind of woman. You are a little Christ. That's good. You have been given that new nature, the DNA of God that is transforming you, that is constantly renewing you, renewing your mind, renewing your body, renewing you. Isn't this good? Yes. Very good. I'm preaching to myself tonight. <laughs> God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm. 
So just say this with me. Say, I am the tabernacle. I am the tabernacle. God dwells in us, making us the tabernacle of his glory. Because God never wanted to live in a box. Amen. He never Come wanted on. to live in a temple. Yes. He wanted a house that was not made by man's hands. Mm -hmm. He wanted a, a new home. He didn't want to live in a box. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? I love this prophetic picture that we get in the chap in um, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47, where Ezekiel sees, he has this mm -hmm. amazing encounter where he mm -hmm. sees this temple. And out of the temple is flowing a river. Mm -hmm. And at first, the river is only ankle deep. And then the river, as he goes out further, it's knee deep. And then it's waist deep. And the further out that it flows, Suddenly, it's a river that you can't even walk through. You have to swim through it. And this is a prophetic picture of the glory of God Amen. dwelling within the tabernacle, within believers. And the more that we pour out of that glory, of that river of glory within us, the deeper mm, that's it gets. Good. The more people that it touches. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. You are the temple. You have that river of glory that's within you. It's not meant to be bottled up on the inside of you, but it's meant to flow out. Yes. Listen, if you don't lay your hands on the sick, you'll never see the sick healed. Come on. If Come you don't on, pour that river me. out, then you're never going to see others uh, healed, mm. see others free. We've got to begin to pour that river out. Yes. That's so good. Just say this with me. Say, heaven is flowing out of me. Heaven is flowing out of me. Say, rivers of living water run forth. Rivers of living water run forth. And when you carry that atmosphere of the glory of God, other people will feel that on you. They will begin to sense that atmosphere of the glory of God around you. <clears throat> Have you ever gotten around somebody maybe in like a store and maybe you felt like like a bad vibe or something, like a bad atmosphere? Because whatever you're possessed with is what you're gonna carry as an atmosphere around you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember this story about William Branham. He was an incredible prophet and he was really the forerunner of the 1950s healing revival. And when he was a young man in ministry, a woman who was actually, uh, I, I don't, I know she was in New Age, I don't know if she was a witch per se, but she came up to him and she said, your aura, I've never seen an aura like this. An aura it, to the New Agers is, um, your, you know, the energy that you carry or the atmosphere that you carry. And they believe in these things even more than the Christians do. And so the enemy has taken the things that the Christians are called to, to um, move in and have a deep understanding of, and they've perverted it. Mm -hmm. And so the church has got to begin to take back the ground that the enemy has stolen. Come on. I remember going to a, um, a business. My husband and I went one time to a business um, workshop, and there was a man that was um, 
sharing and teaching in this workshop, and he believed in um, a lot of New Age concepts and the law of attraction and things like that. And he began to share things that were biblical principles, but he wasn't a Christian. But he had understood that the things that you speak create what your reality. And he didn't even realize that these are biblical principles that the church has just forgotten. That the enemy has convinced us these are not um, from God. Am I ministering to anyone today? Amen. Yes. The words that we speak, you know, the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth mm -hmm. speaks. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Isaiah 4 5 says, Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over all those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. And over everything, the glory will be a canopy. Mm. So not just within the tabernacle, not just within the ark, but over all of Mount Zion, the Lord will create a canopy. Amen. And so when people come into that um, vicinity, I remember um, Mariah Woodworth Eder, she would go into a city, and when she would be ministering in the tent, there would be people five miles away who would be working, who would suddenly fall down on their knees weeping and repent and give their lives to the Lord. Because there is an atmosphere that you carry. There is a uh, realm of authority that you carry as a believer. And we grow in that authority over all of Mount Zion. And over everything the Lord will be a canopy. She cut Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow Amen. of the Almighty. Amen. The Hebrew word here for shadow means darkening. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the darkening of the Almighty. Mm. There's a dark cloud of the glory of God, and we know that dark clouds bring rain. Amen. Just stand with me tonight. Can I get the worship team um, to join me? I just believe it's going to begin to rain in this house tonight. As we stand under the dark cloud, the overshadowing, the darkening of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah.